You're listening to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Your host, Jennifer Hofferber, is an award-winning veteran special educator who shares her experience, knowledge, and passion to help other special educators survive and thrive in this profession. Join her and other guests as they share tips and tricks of the trade for the ever-crazy, completely overwhelming, laugh-so-you-don't-cry profession of being a special education teacher. Hey there, this is episode 23, and we're going to continue our support of paraprofessionals with another guest. Today, Megan Garbutt talks with us about our support of our paraprofessionals who work within a regular education classroom during inclusion. But before we get started, just a quick reminder, if you haven't already done so, make sure you go take the What's Your Special Educator Superpower Quiz. It takes about a minute of your time and gives you affirmation of the things that you do well as a teacher and the blind spots that are holding you back from becoming the teacher you always dreamed you'd be. Several teachers have taken it and have said that the information was spot on for them and they gained some insight into their own strengths and weaknesses. Go to spedprepacademy.com quiz to find out your superpower today. Like I said, today's guest is Megan Garbutt. She is part of my special educator mastermind where we are learning how to be entrepreneurs while holding down full-time teaching jobs. And Megan's actual job is to support special education teachers and paras. And since that is the whole reason the Sped Prep Academy was founded in the first place, I thought who better to be on the show. Hey there, Megan. Welcome to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I am super excited to have you talk with us today and to share your insight into the work that you do to train paraprofessionals how to work in inclusion classrooms. But before we get started, would you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yes, I am a Michigan special education teacher. Um, I had taught in the public school system. I taught for six years as a special education teacher in a center-based program for adults 18 to 26. Then I taught two years in what we call an out-county classroom for kindergarten to second graders with moderate cognitive impairments. And now I am on my third year of being a teacher consultant where I support special education teachers and paraprofessionals in Inside the general education building. I think the first time that I met you, I told you that you have my dream job <laughs> because, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love working with children, but I, I do. I found a new passion and a love for teaching teachers as well and supporting teachers with whatever they're struggling with. And I think that I would really like to have a position like yours, which it's not admin, but it's not in the classroom either. So on that note, one of the things that teachers do struggle with is training their paraprofessionals. And I know you've had lots of conversations you and I have about my passion for helping teachers work with their paras. And a big part of a paraprofessional's day is often working within an inclusion setting to support students within the general education classroom. So where do you go with this? Where do, how do you come into the picture when you're supporting the teachers? So as a teacher consultant, most of our paraprofessionals in the general education setting don't work with the resource room teachers. So I found that interesting when talking with you and some of our other mastermind members that you you coordinate with your paraprofessionals where our paraprofessionals are in the gen ed classroom all day long and they just work with the general education teachers. So because academically these students are capable and they are there, 
mainly because of behaviors or if they're on the autism spectrum and they're younger, so they're still kind of getting used to the school routine. We set up, I want to say this was the first year that we worked with our autism spectrum disorder consultants that work with our intermediate school district. And they actually came in once a month to work with the paraprofessionals that work with our students with autism. And we met and they discussed their issues. We brainstormed and it was amazing the positive feedback that we were able to get from the paras because they felt included and listened to and understood about what was going on in the classroom. Because as a general education teacher, you know, they have a a balancing act to play as well. So they don't quite understand the students with autism or the students with the behaviors because of trauma. And they kind of just put it on the paras. So this way, we were able to meet together and kind of brainstorm. And we've had some success. And then, of course, all the school closures haven't helped anybody. I think that's a good point is that the paras, they have a wealth of knowledge that sometimes we don't tap into. And I think by supporting them and letting them know that they do have a voice and that you're going to listen to what they have to say, that they're they're going to kind of come out of their shell a little bit and they're going to give you a lot more information about what they need support with. And so do you have like a program that you use or do you have um, what, what things that do you follow to give them that support? Well, the plan is just to meet monthly. So while the teachers have an early, they don't, it's not technically an early release, but where they do their training, the paras usually just work in the classroom. So during that time, once a month, I will get them together and we will get resources that our intermediate school district provides. Like we had our ASD consultants and I'll meet with the resource room teachers to see if they have suggestions, you know, kind of pull whoever we can to help these Um, paras in the classroom and help them with their relationships with the gen ed teachers. Just having a consistent plan in place, I think, is what all teachers need, whether you're in the resource room or whether you're, you know, in a self-contained classroom. I think just having that um, organized and be able to say, we're going to do it on this day of the month, every single month, and always follow through, that is very important. And I also, I felt like what you had mentioned too about paras and their wealth of knowledge. And I think people underestimate how long they've been working in the school system. So administrators don't quite understand the depth of knowledge and understanding that these paras have of their students because most of them are one-on-ones or they're cluster aides. So they work with two or three students. And it's quite eye-opening, even for me. Like I, And I've even told this one para, she's been a one-on-one with this student for two or three years. And I was like, you know him better than just about anyone. You're his biggest advocate because she was really pushing for extra support because he was struggling with math. And she's like, he's been struggling for years with math. And I said, all right, start collecting, you know, work samples or have him do one without you and see how far he goes. And then one with you to kind of show the need that he has. And she was all over it. She was on it. She helped write the IEP and she even advocated for attending the IEPs, which I was completely in agreement with because she is his one-on-one. She's with him all day, every day for years. And it kind of made me step back in my role and, you know, kind of look at all of the paras that work with these students and what can we do to help include them in developing the IEPs 
rather than just saying, you know, so-and-so has a behavior. See you later. Like, good luck. Mm -hmm. Tell me how it goes kind of thing. Because I think they do get thrown out there quite a bit. So yeah, I feel like they're not always sometimes I feel like they they get like the crap end of the job sometimes is because they're they are the ones there all the time dealing with all of those those behaviors and all of those issues and they are the ones that they like you said they have the most knowledge about the child and they really need to be a resource to us as teachers. Mhm. Yeah, and I think that having these trainings available, or even me sending resources to their emails biweekly, you know, just something about sensory issues. And does this kind of sound like the student you're working with? Because we haven't quite hit the nail on the head with what the issues are going on. And they're like, um, I did try this. And, you know, or if I see them in the hallways and just check in on them and say, hey, how's it going? How's our friend doing? They, you know, they light up. They really do appreciate that. I recognize that their work isn't easy. Mm -hmm. And like you said, they're in the trenches all day long. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, I'm just a coordinator. It feels like, you know, I just need to know where they are. And um, so it's nice to have that connection with the classroom and with them as well. What are some of the the issues that are coming up with them whenever they talk about inclusion classrooms? Are they having trouble dealing with the teachers themselves? Does that ever come up or is it just always the issues with the child? It's a little bit of both. Um, I think it does depend on the teacher. Sometimes um, we see common um, denominators, so to speak, when students hit a certain grade, then their decline kind of starts to happen, which is unfortunate. So it can be that And in that case, we just we provide a training for the teachers and the paras. So everyone's getting the same training, which is really nice. Um, You know, the behaviors for students, it's a little bit trickier because we do need to include the teacher, obvious, like the gen ed teacher in any behavior planning meetings and things, because that's how we find out what's actual feasible in the classroom instead of us making a plan. And then you find out like, oh, they're not in the room at that time or, oh, the scheduling doesn't work out that way. Or during that time, they help with reading groups. And so, um, you know, just the communication definitely is a big piece of all of the support that we provide. So are there helpful tips that you give the pairs? I'm like, what what to do or like what not to do. I mean, that's part of um, the training that I give my paras is how to respond in an inclusion classroom. So are there some tips that you have to just set them up for success right from the start? I try always to tell them the end game is for the student not to have a one-on-one. Right. The end game is for the student to be as independent as possible. So when I hear Um, well, this gen ed student might need more support than our special ed student. I go, then go ahead, you know, like help out someone else and see how this student does with less support. And when I was in a self-contained classroom, we didn't really have that option, (laughs) you know, like that was never the goal. So now it's so exciting to see these students, you know, need someone in kindergarten and first grade. And then by the time they're in second grade, they're like different students and they don't need that additional support. And you're watching them be real, real students and participate with their gen ed peers without any issues or hiccups or minor ones in comparison to destroying classrooms. It's fun to watch them, you know, grow out of that need to have somebody there all the time. And I think it's, it's awesome for our paras too, to, you know, see how much growth they've helped that child make. I agree. 
Agree. And I definitely am the independence pusher. And I think some people think I'm a little crazy about it sometimes. But in the end, I'm always like, how can we get that aid out of that classroom? How, you know, how, how else can we support these students, you know, less adult dependence and more independent? Yeah, we tell our paras from the very beginning that the less you're doing for the child, the better that you're doing your job. And I think that's hard for them sometimes because they they make that connection with that child and they don't want to let go. You know, they they feel like that they need to be there and they need to keep providing that support. But honestly, the less support that you're giving, the better, you know, you're doing your job. When I think of our paras at the elementary school, I think of what great parents they are too and how much they use what they use with their own children who are now in high school or, you know, mm-hmm. college. But they're like, oh, my kid used to do this, so I'm going to try this strategy. And I go the next day, and they're like, yeah, it was fine. It worked out great. And I was like, awesome, great. I'm going to write that one down so we have it in our pile <laughs> and our resources. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. I know this is um, this is a topic that is, is always going to be on the forefront of every special education teacher's minds is how do we include our kids and how do we support our paras to work in those inclusion classrooms. So I appreciate you coming on to the show and for sharing your knowledge um, with my listeners. You're welcome. Thank you again for having me. Thanks for listening in today. I hope you gained some insight into the importance of consistently supporting your paraprofessionals within the inclusion setting. It's not going to benefit anyone by just placing them into a classroom and telling them to help the student if you don't supply them with the tools and the resources for them to be effective. And you can't assume that there won't ever be any issues, whether it's with the general education teacher or with the student themselves. They need to know that they can depend on you for help when they need it. You can find Megan on Teachers Pay Teachers as Educators for More, and you can follow her on Instagram at educators underscore for underscore more. If you're enjoying this podcast and want to share it with your friends, go ahead and screenshot an image of your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram. You can also subscribe to the show and leave a review. They give an instant boost to my ego and help others find the podcast as well. And I'd love it if you join us in the private Sped Prep Academy Facebook community, We're just getting started, but it's a safe space where educators and related service providers can talk shop. If you liked what you heard today and realized you have found your SPED soulmate, please subscribe and then head over to spedprepacademy.com slash podcast to check out the show notes and sign up to be notified each time a new episode airs. Go out and have an amazing day and I'll catch you on the next episode.